0: Hello, everybody. We have Zach Gardner on the podcast today. Zach Gardner has recently finished the Bear 100. Uh, not just finished, but won in a pretty incredible time. He just tore up the course record that's been standing for, I believe, 11, 12 years uh, by 39 minutes. Thanks for coming on, Zach. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. So I actually... Raced the same race, and uh I don't think it's fair to say I raced against Zach. I don't think well, there was one guy that was up with Zach for a lot of the race and ended up dropping back, trying to keep up, so he beat us by a solid <clears throat> two hours roughly i I ended up third um pretty pretty fun battle between second and fourth, but Zach uh won by a really good margin and we've communicated a little bit about his nutrition and what he did during the race. And uh, we can just kind of start there uh, and, and work into um, other questions. But first off, congratulations. This was your first hundred, I believe. And you you did an amazing job. You, you ran it as if you had done several hundreds. Um, you know, I've done six myself and I feel somewhat experienced, but you just kind of ran it really smart and you're a very high volume person, athlete, and it's very incredible what you can handle. So I feel like it'd be good to kind of start into, um, you know, what, what got you into this high volume mountain running? Uh, do you have, do you have a, a background of running? Have you been running for, for quite some time? Yeah. So,
1: um, yeah, as far as the race went, I'll just say real quick, like, yeah, it was my first 100-mile race, but, and I might have, I know I tried to start up a conversation with you, I think, on that first climb during the race, but I didn't, I didn't want to, like, put a lot of emphasis on that, because I, you know, I wanted it to be chill, I don't, and it's probably would have been weird for Jake, the guy I was running with, to feel like, uh, you know, like, I was running too fast, because I really didn't feel like I was and so, I know that can be weird if there's some guy behind you who is going out way too fast their first race or anything like that. But I, you know, like you said, I had a lot of volume leading up to that. And yeah, my background, as far as that goes, um, I did a little bit of cross country in high school. I'm in college now. Um, but before that I was on a mission for two years. So I like kind of left and I, Um, I left when I was 18 and I kind of looked like a kid to be honest. And I like, so as I got through that, um, I grew a little bit and I went to Phoenix, Arizona. Very cool. Yeah. And at the end of that, I started running and when I got back to Utah, basically where I came to college at BYU, I was okay at running and I, I don't think I realized it, but I ran a couple half marathons and um, eventually did the speed goat 50 K and I'd kind of planned to quit running through that whole process. But um, eventually I was just like, you know what? I see these other guys training a lot like Zach Miller and Jim Walmsley and what, whoever that might be. And I was kind of like, you know, I'm not going to look at their race and try to copy that, but I don't see any reason not to try to do what they're doing as far as, like, training goes. And you look at someone like Killian, and I know people are like, he's crazy. He's not like us. We shouldn't copy anything. But, like, I do think you can look at some of that. And so, yeah, so I was a new runner. And on the road, I noticed like, OK, like if I just run 50 miles a week, 70 miles a week, I can run a 15 minute 5K. Like, wow, that wasn't that artist had to do some volume, you know, like getting really good might be something different. But on a some base level that worked for me and on the trails, I had those like beginner gains I could get from doing a lot of vert. Like I found out what vert was. And I live in Provo where you can do a vertical mile from like your house. Um, And so I started kind of building up like I would do 13 to 18,000 feet a week for a short period of time getting ready for that first 50K that I did. And then last year I came back and did a little more of that. And then this year I was like, I love doing Burt. I want to do a lot. And I don't know how many feet I've done this year, but like it's got to be a lot. I mean, it's over a
0: million. Yeah. I checked out your Strava. It's over a million. I I was comparing your Strava to like even Zach Miller. I don't know if you've done that this year, but you've done more volume than Zach Miller this year. Like you've, you've put in more mileage um, I don't know about the vertical, but more miles than <laughs> Zach Miller has this year, which is which is saying a lot. And what's most impressive is like it sounds like you did cross country in high school, took a huge break, and then kind of just went full throttle. And it sounds like you were pretty intelligent about getting back into it. You started with fifty miles a week, seventy, eighty, and then you kind of just took a jump this year, kind of hoping things would would work out right. Is that? I mean, that's that's a that's a quick progression, but it sounded like you were pretty methodical about building it up
1: yeah so i like really i had done cross country in high school but i couldn't even remember how to run to be honest like when i started again so like i went and i'd like ran on concrete barefoot type of shoe like not even running shoes to try to like i don't even remember how to run might as well learn good running form and then I moved away. I mean, I moved on to like thinking, well, now I'm trying to train my heart, so I'm gonna wear shoes that'll save my legs a little bit so that I can start getting in more miles. Just long-term, you know, you can get the speed quickly, but being able to run for two, you know, like a marathon, being able to run for two hours, you have to train the heart for that, not just the legs. And so, yeah, same thing with 100 mile race. If you're going to run for 17 hours, you have to be ready to do that. So, yeah, I did build up. There were definitely, like, I first figured out how to do 100 mile a 100-mile week on the road. And that, I had to be really methodical about that. Like, every time I went up from 90 to 100 or 80 to 90, 100 to 110 on the road, which I tried, like, two years ago, it felt like I was doing everything wrong. Like, everything hurt as painful on the trail though like i i went on vacation one week this was over christmas break this last year i was in the canary islands and i did like 140 mile week just out of the blue and i didn't get hurt like i felt pretty good and Mm -hmm. that's been more of my experience on the trail it's like you go do vert for the first time in a while, you go up something, you know, run down 4,000 foot mountain and your quads are on fire. Everything is sore. And then like two days later, you could go to that same mountain again and you can't get as sore as you did the first time. And there's no stress fracture and nothing's wrong. And I think that's, I don't, you know, maybe it's pseudoscience, but I feel like my legs know how to adapt to the mountain a little better than the road. Like running on the road is kind of a rough environment to be running in. And that's why you have to increment volume so carefully. But I don't know so much on the trail. Like, yeah, I came back from Europe and went to do the Bear 100. And I was like, you know, I'm going to do more miles this week. I did a like over 170 mile a week, and felt good. Like, I felt good at the end of that, like better than I would have having done 100 miles on the road. Oh so. man,
0: yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting because I, I wonder if the road gave you more durability because of all that pounding that you were able to transition better into the trail. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, like trail, especially with the amount of vertical you're doing, and like, so, so you the listeners know, like that 175 mile a week, I believe it was, you did 45,000 feet of vertical. So like, that's, mm-hmm. that's quite a bit. And like, I, I, you're a super fast guy, but obviously you're going to have to be hiking quite a bit of that. So when people ask me too, like, Oh, your knees must be destroyed. I really do think asphalt will destroy your body. Um, it's only a matter of years, I think of like a hundred mile plus weeks. But with Trell, you're utilizing so many different muscles and different movements that I think you can, you can last long. But I still think that what you can do, um, I think if it's not a muscular issue, I think from an endocrine standpoint, like adrenal fatigue, um, thyroid issues, like energy issues. I think it's pretty remarkable. And, and I do want to talk to about your day to day like diet and, and you just must eat an, a crazy amount of, of food, I would imagine. Um, what I found super interesting in one of our conversations is that it sounded like and I don't know if this is in a lot of your runs, but it sounds like you don't eat that much during your training, which is interesting, because if you don't eat during the run, then you create even a, a bigger deficit. So I'm mm-hmm. curious, like when you started doing this really high volume first, did you drop a lot of weight? Um, did you have to just like get used to eating a, like a ton of food? Did you research kind of how to eat and and maintain your, your effort and performance at such a high volume? Like is, did you have to make some crazy adjustments? Like was it kind of shocking at first of like what you had to shift around to make work to to handle that kind of
1: load no i would call so you're right i really on the majority of my runs i don't eat anything and often yeah depending on how hot it is like if i can do it without water i'll just like sure i don't want to carry that and um yeah kind of the killian killian philosophy then (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah fast a lot fast get that fat adaptation if if you don't need to drink don't yeah
1: yeah and so you asked if I like lost a lot of weight when I started doing more volume and everything and I'm actually kind of an instinctive eater it's kind of strange like so I will just like randomly start eating all day and then the next day or two days later, I'll do like a big long effort that I hadn't even planned to do. Hmm. And it was like, I had instinctively or intuitively just eaten more food uh, before doing the run. And then afterward, I'm not like huge on eating a lot. So yeah, that's something that I just have found has happened. I'm like thinking that I've eaten way too much, like an unnecessary amount of food, even like junk that I'm eating. And then I'll find, I'll like feel pretty good doing a long run after that or a day later and then it'll all kind of make sense. And I was like, wow, that was perfect that I was almost overeating at a random point in time mm-hmm. before a long effort. So yeah.
0: Huh. That's super interesting. So the the weight's kind of just been stable the whole time. You were probably pretty, yeah. pretty lean to begin with then, and then it just kind of stayed the same. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting.
1: Like, I, when I was a missionary, so I was, like, after high school, I tried to gain a lot of weight, and I wasn't, like, super successful. And then I started running, and I, like – got back to about the same weight I was when I left, but it was a lot leaner, like more muscular and everything. And that hasn't changed for like the past three and a half years. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Just got one of those phenotypes that you're just kind of lean and your body just finds a way to stay at that set point. That's interesting. Yeah. So we we had talked a little bit and while we're kind of on the nutrition topic, I had made a little video talking about what my game plan was and you know, it's, it's, it's a really interesting debate between, you know, whether to eat or not during training. And i and I'm still trying to figure that out. There's research in in both areas. But, um, you know, you look at someone like yourself and it's like, well, he's, he's doing fasted long runs. Maybe that's the solution. Maybe that's what we should all be doing. But then the repercussion for a lot of people, and and there's some research on this is like, there's, there's this thing about training the gut. So when you're on a, in a race, if you haven't acclimated essentially to just eating a lot of carbohydrates, your stomach may not do very well with that but for you it was the contrary and you had mentioned that you hadn't practiced a lot like we had talked about you you didn't really eat much during your training which means you weren't able to practice a lot and then you're able to just show up and do so well so was it just kind of reading what other people had done i'm curious to know if you're willing to share like what product it is that you used and kind of just stuck with and did you utilize aid station food or was it like solely Cause, cause I know there's athletes like Tom Evans is a good example. He, he mm-hmm. said that he would just do Martin, you know, liquid calories during Western States. Yeah. And apparently yeah. that's what he did. So I do think that can be possible for some people if they can tolerate it, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm just curious to know, like, did you do some research on what other people were doing or did you experiment with other products? Like what, what's, what was your, your method there?
1: So I, I definitely heard, Tom Evans say that, and I've heard other people say that as well. And I did use Martin products and bring all of my own nutrition. I didn't use anything from aid stations.
0: Was it, was it the, both the mix and the gels, the, the water mix and gels?
1: Yeah. So I did use the mix and then I used other gels. I had a couple different kinds that I used. It didn't matter a lot to me. I know some people take gels and they're like, take half the gel and then it takes them five minutes to get the whole thing down or something. And, but like when I take gels during a race, it's like I squeeze it into my mouth and it's gone. And I don't even notice that I've taken anything. So I just, every single aid station at that race, I don't remember exactly how far they were apart, but I just did two, 500-milliliter flasks with the Martin 320 in each one. None of them were caffeinated. Um, so did you have crew, or did you just utilize
0: all the bag spots? Because you had to have been switching out. Because that's another yeah. thing to note to the listeners is, like, your in-and-out times were, like, insane. You were in-and-out. And, like, my my crew in front of me was like, yeah, he didn't even really stop. So you you must have just had, like, pre-filled flasks, which must have been, like, 20 in total because you were yeah, just switching yeah. them out. Yeah, <laughs> I okay. Did, I did have...
1: I did put... So I had a crew, like, a pretty good crew. I had two people who were there, and... So you then, didn't even have to deal with drop bags? You just
0: had every everything no, taken care of?
1: Then I had, like, five drop bags, so... I don't know how you did it so fast to get to your drop bag
0: and filled and everything. That's, that's another thing that I don't understand with you doing your first hundred, like your efficiency. Like, did you practice that? How did you, how did you get that? So dialed, like looking for the drop bag, getting, you know, getting Mm -hmm. your bottles, getting them filled. I, I just, it was like 10, 15 seconds each aid station.
1: Yeah. So I don't know if, if you've ever been to UTMB before, or C- I, I had
0: done CCC, yeah, which right. had That's a teeny bit at the start.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So at CCC, you have like, tr- there are two crude, or two or three crude aid stations that you can stop at. And the rest of it was not good. Like, I think Martin products are great. And I'm sure there are other ones that work well too but they had knack there and like water spigots and the water barely came out and it was like, you're going to lose five minutes if you fill up your soft Mm -hmm. flasks, And, um, it just wasn't optimal what they had going on there. And Mm -hmm. when you're in, when you're in Italy or France or wherever it is, like it's complicated to figure everything out, even figuring out how to register for that race is complicated (laughs) like it takes almost years to figure out how to get into the race and get Uh, there and so after all that like knowing that you could just show up with your drop bags and have your crew drive anywhere they wanted to without Mm -hmm. a bus pass or anything like that
0: you took full advantage yeah that's smart
1: and yeah not having all those profession you know like jonathan albin and whoever else racing dakota jones and stuff like as soon as all that pressure is gone for Mm -hmm. me like showing up to the bear 100 i was like wow this is so chill you know Mm -hmm. it's starting at a jog down the asphalt i mean yeah i was looking forward to that so (laughs) yeah i mean as far as the pressure goes yeah wasn't a lot for me i I thought i was excited for how chill the whole race was gonna be and Mm -hmm. i did have like five drop bags and I filled up. I put the Martin three twenties in the night before, and you know it's a little weird doing that because they don't have preservatives in them or anything. But I don't know where they were kept. They were. I mean, they were fine. I know. It was oh, a with water already.
0: There. Yeah. You're okay. So you would just grab them. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But it tasted and, okay. It didn't taste like it had gone bad or anything. No, it tasted fine. And. I, like, earlier this year, I did the Squaw Peak 50 mile, and they had a lot of aid stations that were, like, water only. And so I just, had a, I just took a belt and put, like, Martin 320s around the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And every time I'd come in, I would just pull off the cap, pour one in, fill it up, and leave. And that was still pretty fast. And I did that for another, like, 55K. And, I mean, I was able to win both of those doing that. And to me, that's just... Like I know there are a lot of different nutrition products you could take, but I feel like Martin's a good way to go just because you like, you know, you can take in a lot of sugar like that without Mm -hmm. getting an upset stomach. I mean, according to, um, what's his name? The Adidas guy, Tom Evans, Mm -hmm. it works and it worked. It's worked for me. Like, I don't know if I would feel comfortable drinking, two 500 milliliter flasks of water like that can be tough but if it has martin mix in it i can almost drink more of that than i could drink water like plain water see so, that's yeah that's what's yeah. so interesting
0: and and like obviously if it works that's the best way to go it takes all the guesswork out you can just rely on one product yeah the reality is for a lot of people especially for a hundred they just get so sick of that product and like i'm one of those people And and I'm curious to know, and this is kind of like a random tangent that I'm curious about when people can have just one product all day is like, are you someone that can have the same meal every day? Like, are you okay with eating the same thing all the time? I'm curious to know if there's a correlation there or not, because I'm, I'm not that kind of person. Like I, the flavor fatigue for me, I have to have like three different products
1: or I'm just going to stop eating. Like the sweetness. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, go ahead.
1: I will say as well, like I so I would take both of those and at every aid station too. I'm like loading up gels and like I just gave my crew a big bag of gels and like Cliff blocks and everything. And you know, I just put the put the soft flasks in the vest, and then I'm like, yeah, give me four of those and one of that and just force it down the whole time. Like that's, so it was hard. It it was still hard for you to eat though, throughout the whole thing. It Um, was getting,
0: it was, you're kind of getting sick of it. I imagine. Or was it still?
1: No, it's not that I'm sick of the flavor. It's that my method of regulating how much I'm eating and drinking, especially drinking is like, I just keep consuming until I don't feel nauseous, but I like, you know, you can like feel that maybe something's coming up your esophagus on like a downhill or something. Mm-hmm. You're like, "Oh, okay, I need to wait a little bit to digest this or for the liquid to go through my system, right?" And hydrate me, and then 20 minutes later, keep drinking. And so that's generally just been like, all I do is like, "Okay, like just keep taking in sugar until you start to notice that it might be too much." And then wait a minute, you know, and then keep going. And do you have like,
0: a pulse at all of what what you may have taken in average per hour?
1: Um, I did add it all up for that race. I mean, I think it was around fifty three hundred calories of just sugar. I didn't eat anything else. Wow. So, yeah, yeah
0: d- divide and that by it- four, and you get the carbs. That's that's a lot of carbs. Wow, mm-hmm. yeah, that's impressive. And so you you were kind of just off of feel, like okay, this is this is enough sugar for me right now, and you just wait and okay. So you didn't necessarily have like this is exactly per hour what I'm gonna do. Yeah,
1: I I just did some quick math. So it's you know if you divide 5300 by 17, and then it, you know that's like 320, 311 something calories per hour, and then divide it by four, and it's like 80. Grams. Per hour. Yeah,
0: that's impressive. That's impressive for the whole day.
1: Yeah. So. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. That's. I will say though, as far as training, you talked about training the gut, and sometimes, like, I don't eat a lot on runs, but I will eat like right before I run, pretty frequently, like doing high volume it's important to supplement like just calories. And so like I'll even, I'll eat things that are like just high high caloric, dense foods like ice cream and whatever. Like maybe I'm heading to the trailhead coming back from work. Like I work in Sandy sometimes and I'll just have like a couple of pints of ice cream or something and then go straight into a, Run straight into the run, and I' mm-hmm. like for a lot of my runs are I start going uphill and I'm going uphill for like two hours or something, and so you're not moving that fast, going uphill, it'll just be like a slow jog, and I'll just be digesting all of that, however many calories that was, just like stomach is digesting it, and sometimes you know it can be a little tough to get through that. And then, I don't know, I don't have to carry anything with me. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sure that has some role with, like, prepping my stomach sure. to digest things. And, like, like sure. that's even more than you'd be able to eat and digest while you're running. You know, if you were having mm-hmm. slices of pizza, it's not like you can practice eating that very easily. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's an important detail that you do load up on calories beforehand. You're not just going into these, like, totally empty every time. Because yeah. at some point that just seems, yeah, really, really hard and <laughs> unsustainable to do. So, so
1: yeah, I I'm do glad you I mentioned practice that. like the the worst case scenarios, like running on a two full stomach and running on totally empty in ketosis kind of, mm-hmm. but as far as like practicing with the perfect nutrition, never do that. And mm-hmm. I, I can think of several reasons why I might do that. Like. Actually, fill up a soft flask and mix in something with it. And I mean, one would be if I want to just train with a higher heart rate, like be more intense through the whole run. Because yeah, if I like am in ketosis, I feel like my heart rate just kind of like locks down a little lower. Like I'm just stuck in zone two for the rest of the run, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so uh, that would be one reason. And then if I just If I were struggling to get in the volume I wanted to, like I'm having trouble turning around early or something like that, being too tired on the run, then I would start eating stuff too because I think it can help with that, you know. Mm -hmm. It definitely makes things easier. (laughs) I don't know if I'm organized enough to get it done all the time, but those would be like the two main reasons. But I, I feel like I've seen people say like yeah i'm practicing with this or that and trying to nail down the nutrition and they're like going for an eight mile run and filling up soft flasks and all this stuff and i'm like they're you like i'm not i'm not gonna wear a vest for like a 15 mile run i don't mm-hmm. care like that's a lot of work and it seems like those are the situations where people those are the same people who have an upset stomach on the on race day whereas Mm -hmm. maybe I've practiced all the worst case scenarios like having a huge load in my stomach that I'm digesting actively on the run and then the opposite of being like totally depleted and maybe that's better preparation because as soon as I get to the run like I'm not really worried or as soon as I get to the race like the bear like okay optimal nutrition is going to be perfect I have nothing to worry about yeah. Since I'm putting some effort toward that. So, yeah. Yeah. That's been my experience.
0: Yeah. It's good to know there is some, some preloading going on and yeah, a lot of people can't eat and just go straight on the trail. And, um, yeah, there's a whole spectrum of, of, you know, nutritionists out there encouraging, even for an hour run, you know, take stuff. And I definitely, see the best of both worlds of doing some fasted and some fed and i think kind of meeting in the middle of like two to three hours probably okay to have something before don't need to take anything during an experience level has a lot to do with it too if i'm working with someone who's really new to it um, as you said as you get started you feel that soreness a lot and to prevent that breakdown a little bit to have glucose during the run can help but someone very experienced like they're just going to recover a lot easier. They're used to that damage. They they don't need that glucose during as much, and they can they can be okay. And especially with as high as volume as you're doing, like there's no way that your glycogen stores are ever being fully tapped top off. Like topped off. There's no way. So you're constantly in a in a way like fat burning. Even even, you know, of course when you have a bunch of ice cream before a run, you're, you're burning that off. But you know, overall, like when you wake up from, from your, from your sleep, you're, you're going to be like burning fat because you can't possibly, I mean, you could, but unless you're eating just like nonstop pasta, you're not going to be like getting your glycogen totally topped off. But yeah, that's, that's yeah. super interesting. And, and I, I am curious to know, like, do you, do you follow any specific like, I, I, I don't like the word diet, but do you have any like eating styles that you try to emulate or is it kind of whatever you feel like day to day?
1: No, yeah, it's just like, I I do enjoy eating lots of vegetables and all that stuff and whole whole foods. But unfortunately, it's just not like, yeah, if I were to just, eat salads and stuff like that would be a waste of time for me in a way because I would have to go eat something else after that Mm -hmm. and so yeah I'm kind of just like on the college campus eating random foods a lot of like kind of I feel like I follow a high protein diet and then I'll just like supplement with random stuff for extra calories because I just want to feel like I have energy yeah, and I you really do I do like I feel good, and uh, yeah. So yeah. I don't follow anything specific, and I just try to intuitively eat enough food that I'm ready to go.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean that's I'm glad you pointed that out because realistically, and I've, I've talked about that a little bit. If you want to eat a totally whole foods diet, like the the calories are going to be hard. The fiber is probably going to make you feel full before you can actually hit your caloric needs. So yeah, the reality is like a lot of these high output, high volume athletes, they have to eat processed food and that's, that's really okay. Like that's, that's not a problem if, if they're feeling energetic and recovered. And, um, you know, I, I eat that kind of stuff as well. I, I have, my my calories to hit and when i do try to eat two whole foods i just like start to feel super tired i i supplement i absolutely eat fruits and vegetables and fruit especially i love but at a certain point the fiber you just can't you're so limited um you know i like to do smoothies and stuff but eating totally whole food you know is is really tough to do so um Mm -hmm. well yeah i kind of want to go off a little bit here and just talk about like your your life, you know, you said you're a student, you work in Sandy, like you're, 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 you're also working and a student. Is that correct? Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. You can fit everything in. So yeah. What are you studying? What are you doing for work?
1: So I'm studying electrical engineering right now. This is my last year. Um, and it is, it is tough to get everything in. Um, and then I've just been working,
0: as an intern. So yeah. I, How I do I've you do that?
1: Hours down a lot. To... I mean, you're doing yeah,
0: that was a 35-hour week two weeks before the bear. Are you just doing super early mornings, late nights, between classes? I mean, when when do you when do you fit it all in?
1: Yeah, I do it after class. I don't run in the morning. Um, wow. And that's I'll incredible. I just come back in the dark a lot, but you know, you have to do a night is better for me because it's just hard to go out on a run and have a scheduled event afterward because Mm -hmm. like I'm doing runs that like, if you do a run that is an hour long, if it goes long, maybe it's an hour and 10 minutes. But if you're doing a run, that's like three hours and 45 minutes, it could go long and be four hour, you know, four and a half hours or something. Like it's hard to say exactly when you'll be back and, So yeah, I, I end up running in the dark a lot, but Mm -hmm. do you feel like your sleep suffers
0: a little bit with that schedule or are you able to still get a solid, solid night? Most, most days.
1: Yeah, I do sleep at least seven hours. Like, nice. I never, I can't cut under that Mm -hmm. or my brain is not going to make it through the college schedule. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's, that's so cool. You can, you can fit it all in. So that leads me to an interesting question. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure you've been asked this before, you know, you're about to graduate, Mm -hmm. probably have a lot of options available to you in a career in electrical engineering, but let's be completely like honest here. You're pro right now. I don't know if you have any sponsors yet, but you're absolutely a pro um at your current level uh do you have any interest in pursuing that route, maybe picking up sponsors, maybe doing it full time like obviously you love it obviously you like doing it all the time. Is there mm-hmm. any interest going in that direction and yeah and just curious, do you have any sponsors currently
1: no yeah i don't have I have no sponsors you know I'd be happy to work with someone just Honestly, just because I feel like I am ready to go, like, ready to go. Like, I could probably do more races than I did this year. Just looking at how, like, I ran the bear, and then the next weekend I did, like, a, a 50-mile road run. And, like, I recovered really fast from that. And I don't feel, it's not that road runs are great, or I feel like, yeah that was the perfect thing to do, but I do think that <laughs> I cannot believe like,
0: you did that. I noticed that the double St. George Marathon, was that what it was? Mm-hmm.
1: Out yeah, back. Just, yeah, you know, it's <laughs> interesting. I think like pardon me
0: it, laughing, man. That is just like something out of this universe to do that. I, I was like <laughs> I think I ran like 10 miles the week after the bear. <laughs> He did Mm -hmm. another hundred mile week and ended the week that way. It's just like, you obviously have some genes working toward your favor. And it's a good way to have
1: no post-race depression, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Just (laughs) keep doing it.
0: Yeah. So, uh,
1: (laughs) yeah, but I do think, you know, look, you look at all the work that sometimes like a brand puts in to get someone out there to do a race. And sometimes they're like, you'll see an athlete have like tons of bad races in a row and they try to sugarcoat all of them and pretend it's all up to luck whether or not things go well. And um, I haven't had a lot of bad race experience so far. Like I had a race at CCC where I didn't really prepare for it super well. Like the weeks leading up to that, I was just doing kind of like run tours or like all these super long runs every day not really tapering for the race or anything just having as much fun as i could like way more i, I did like my biggest vert week ever the week leading up to the race but hmm. i didn't feel like i wasn't going to finish at any point
0: and the nutrition these... stuff too is pretty frustrating to work with like not having a lot of access to your own stuff and stuff do you feel yeah, like that and... played a bit of a role too
1: I, I think everyone had the same nutrition basically. And so I don't know what, if there's much to be learned from that, but um yeah, I just think, you know, I could probably go run more races and go pretty well. And so, yeah, I'd be happy to do some sort of sponsorship thing, but I do like the stress too, of having like another job, like a job that <laughs> I go to and feeling like, okay, this time I have to run, it's not me training for anything. It's me deciding what I'm going to do with my time. And, you know, me causing the hardship in my own life instead of having to deal with something that is out of my control kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking to hopefully find a job around here and stay in the area. And yeah, I'd be open to, looking at something I don't know (laughs) I definitely it's hard to think of yourself as being having a lot of potential or whatever it might be because that's gonna make training harder (laughs) Mm -hmm. or make it feel like work or something so yeah
0: yeah it's an interesting because you mentioned the bear having less pressure was kind of nice and you know but you said you think you'd do well under pressure and I mean if you just keep doing what you're doing, I think and, and you're twenty-three, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I've I've heard I've heard on podcasts and looking at the trail running culture, it's it's really exciting to see this younger I I I honestly don't see a lot of your age group people really making a splash right now. And so I think you've Mm -hmm. got a lot in, in your favor, right? You're super young. And again, there's not a lot of people that young your age showing up as well as you are in especially hundred mile races. Mm -hmm. Let's just say hypothetically, they're like, all right, well, we want you to do this full time. Uh, and like you could have a job but we could we could cover you enough that you would be able to do this full-time do you you think it would be important to you to still have a separate job or would you just go go full full full-on full-time running if you had the chance
1: um i think i would prefer to have another job just because like i mean in, in electrical engineering you learn a lot i think on the job and it's cool to kind of like keep building those skills Mm -hmm. over time yeah i do you know one thing i do think is interesting is i like hear other people talk about running sometimes as if it's a lot of work and for me i think it's a good sign that i'm able to do a lot without having to really stress like i'm not really pushing myself to get outside. I'm I'm thinking like, okay, finally me making a decision about what to do with my time. So I'm going to use it. And so that's good. And I, you know, that makes me optimistic about what my ability might be to do it full time. If that, you know, it sounds crazy, but, and I don't think I would want to just race. Like I would want to race and do other things. Like like I like maybe longer SKTs or something interesting or just whatever I like, kind of trying to push the spirit of running a little bit too. Yeah, because I know sometimes people might look at what I do and be like kind of motivated because it's not something you see everyone doing. So
0: mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah, something I know inspiring. We've,
1: yeah, we have had a lot of people from like where I live here in Provo, you know, they went out and just got the Olympic standard in the marathon. We had two guys do that and a couple people from Salt Lake went out to uh like the world's for trail running. Mm-hmm. And I it's it's I'm encouraged by that and I kind of get this feeling like dang, like I'd like to push that spirit a little further too. Yeah. part that. But I don't know. Yeah. So to me, that's those kind of things are more motivating than being like, oh, everyone says UTMB is the best race. So I'm going to pipe it up mindlessly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's interesting about
0: you is like you're not you're, you're a super humble person for how good you are. And I wonder if you'd have problems with the social media aspect and kind of displaying your achievements a bit more than you do. That's that's I mean, I, I don't know you very well, but that's an interesting aspect, too. And that's I I was sponsored for a bit of a time. And that was the part that I really disliked about it. But mm-hmm. I feel like perhaps this is just wishful thinking, but maybe brands are starting to move a little bit away from that and more just about who you are as a person and what you're doing to influence people on a kind of more like local level. Like, yeah, you look at what you're doing locally and it's, it's really amazing. And I got to say, I think it's really cool that you did a lot of local races this year. I'm mm-hmm. I'm kind of a big fan of that too, of just doing the small, grassroots supporting the you know local races i think that's really yeah. cool and you know who knows maybe the sponsor's like okay no more of that we need you to travel internationally all the time all these utmb sanctioned events that's mm-hmm. kind of only what we want to see those are the big big names now you know there's so many things to wrestle with uh I- <laughs> And that's a huge conversation in and of itself. I think, I think single track should get you on for this conversation. Um, Single track podcast would be great for this to go a bit further because there's, there's all these pros and cons. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious like at your age to do what you're doing and I hope you, I hope you can continue to do that output without any repercussions. It's pretty unreal. And by what you're telling me and what you're, how you're feeling, I, I'm, I'm pretty convinced you will be able to do it years on end. Um, are, do you, do you plan on like, and I noticed your a bit. you're kind of taking, uh, you know, a definitely lower volume than, than it has been, but it looks like you'll still hit like a 5,000 mile year do you do you take much time off are you because that's another thing about you is like even your recovery weeks are like not really recovery at least for like 99.9 percent of people do mm-hmm. you like to just kind of just continue do you see that happening do you see that sustainability happening there where you can just put out put out put out or are you going to take a little little bit of a break
1: yeah uh, um and
0: just the desire That's, to run—is that always there? Yeah. Do you ever feel like I just don't want to run today? Does that, does that ever happen to you? I mean, it's pretty incredible mm-hmm. your consistency and your your passion for it.
1: Yeah, I I've, in before that I I do definitely agree with what you were saying about brand, brands and how they sponsor people and which races will go to. Like my favorite race this whole year was a fifty-five k that was like cooler than any race that I did, like for me cooler than CCC. And it was just me racing my friend, Sam and like, yeah, it, it was something that will never be UTMB sanctioned or anything, but yeah, that's an interesting thing to think about. And also I totally like, I see people, they're forced to throw a product out there and that's never what gets me on advertising. Mm-hmm. From an advertising viewpoint, like I love seeing someone do something cool and you can catch like the product in the 95th frame. You can like pause it and kind of like zoom in and figure out what they used or what they're wearing. And then I go look it up and then pretty soon I bought the product. But like mm-hmm. I'm not going to go look at the one product everyone was supposed to put out a post about on September 25th. hmm. <laughs> before the launch you're like that's not gonna work so yeah that's, that is interesting i'm sure i have a lot I, bet of you'll, I, bet
0: I think there's different i mean different brands of different you know ethos and cultures i'm Which, sure i'm sure there could be one that would fit fit your yeah your your, your, your what you like and but who knows who yeah knows? And,
1: yep and so as far as uh yeah longevity goes i like i feel pretty good Honestly, like I, I sleep really well. Um, I feel the worst probably when I take days off and, and I'm not doing like big volume hurting myself The rallies. I really don't do a lot of workouts or anything like that. So, I mean, if I do something really steep, like I just did a big ridge traverse over the weekend. And I actually felt pretty good after that. And so I honestly feel like I'm getting healthier the more I do. And so it doesn't worry me too much right now. But my whole like training plan, if you could call it a training plan, has just been to start building a lot of volume over like a couple of years, you know? like So I kind of did a lot last year and I've done a lot, definitely done a lot this year. And, you know, if I keep that up, for another two years or something like that. I feel like that could boost my potential a lot. I have somehow have faith in that and yeah. it's worked fine so far, probably better for the longer distances. Um, I did hmm. do this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Go ahead. I, sorry.
1: Yeah. I did like a race called the speed goat 50 K this year again. And I like didn't get any faster. And so, yeah, that's probably not optimal training. You, you need feel to like do you work.
0: have a kind of a a distance set you you want to work on the most. Do you do you want to work on the fifty k? Are you more interested in the hundreds and kind of pursuing that more? Or just kind of a mix of everything. So,
1: I it's not so much about which race I want to do as much as what training I want to do. I kind of like training for a hundred mile the best Mm -hmm. because I will get validation for doing what I would normally want to do anyway. And so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that's, I think I will probably gravitate toward doing that more. And but I just, it's hard. Like, I don't want to back down from doing a 50 K, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's where you can race your friends. So or whoever you might know, or whoever you can make your little short term rival or something. So, mm-hmm i'll pro i'll keep doing that and i think probably try to focus on more of the 100 mile distance just because i i want to train for it and it's hard to do 50ks and and have a good excuse for doing high volume training right yeah because that's not gonna add up to everyone you're like oh i'm training for 50k but i'm doing uh a, a 30 hour a week mm-hmm. yeah it's just it's hard to package it all up like that
0: totally Totally. And, and I think the reality is, is workouts are hard and they're not the funnest thing to do. And some people love them. Um, is it, is it fair to say you don't, you, 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 I mean, I see you getting like all, I mean, you're fast. Do you, do you, do you just kind of each day try to kind of do like high zone two, or are you pretty much just taking it easy all the time? Do you have some harder days? Like, give us a little rundown of like your training philosophy and your training plan like you were talking about obviously high volume high vert a lot Mm -hmm. of time on feet do you incorporate speed is there like a is there a formula you're going off of is it kind of just push here push there or today's just going to be a harder day just curious on that
1: yeah so i don't do any doubles it's just all kind of single runs um i try to it's it's mostly just focused on like trying to do a big week with a lot of kind of fairly large runs just with the, per- the intent of like being able to do more of that in the future. So like mm. this last winter I was doing a lot of weeks where I'm just like running up and down Squaw peak or whatever. Cause that was where people would crowdsource the trail to the top getting a, you know, 30,000 foot weekend because I'm thinking like, okay, I want to be able to go to Europe, for example, and do a huge week, and know that I won't get hurt and I'll be fine. And so it's more of just like I just want to keep training my legs over and over again, and um, and mostly just all zone two, yeah, mm-hmm. with yeah. the intent of, like I said, just doing a lot of that over time, and then in the future, if I am like really good or something, then I'll start putting more workouts in and stuff like that when you're really good or if i have, like <laughs> oh one ish yeah because i mean like i went to ccc and there were guys who were way faster than me so
0: what'd you place in C- at ccc
1: like 18th i mean okay.
0: <laughs> that's that's a world-class event i wouldn't be disappointed in that but and the fact that yeah you're this young i think yeah, I think that's, that's, oh my gosh, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to see where you're going to go. And I think your philosophy is smart. I think you are thinking longevity, even though it is crazy volume, crazy vertical, it seems to be a pretty, pretty sound philosophy. And yeah, when you're ready for it, you can handle that volume, add in, add in some speed and intensity. That that totally makes sense. But yeah, I mean, to summarize the bear It was, it was a pretty interesting event in that the, uh, to summarize the bear, people tried to keep up with Zach and many people blew up and I, I was proud of myself for not trying to follow you, but I don't know if you were able to follow what happened behind you, but like that whole front crowd that we were with, Mm -hmm. like they all crashed and burned before mile 28, like... I was oh, in sixth really? <laughs> and then by mile 28, I was in third just by going oh. the same pace because <laughs> people were trying to keep up with you and Jake and you guys had a pretty good battle. And, um, yeah, kind of just diverting back to that. Did you feel like you were just like trying to like pace with him or was it kind of like, I'm going to run my own race. I don't care what he does. Cause the fact that you guys were like, toe to toe until what like 50 60 you guys were running
1: together most of the day right yeah so we were together until after mile 50 and so a lot of like the runs that i did leading up to that they were all just like i if you look on strava right you can see your grade adjusted pace and i was like doing everything at about eight minute grade adjusted pace and that's just the same pace i ran at the bear too so I was, like, getting pushed pretty far into my comfort zone, I would say. Just, like, doing the same, you know, because I was used to running alone. I was used to running in the dark. I do that all the time. Um, Used to running, like, long hours. And so those are all things I was, like, really familiar with, I'd say. And so I just tried not to, like, I knew Jake had tried to run a course record before. And so Jake knew the course record pace. Mm -hmm. And so I was, like, determined to just not pass Jake for, like, the first.
0: (laughs) That's so smart. I can't believe
1: you just were that patient. Yeah. I feel bad. Like, it was a little, probably a little annoying because, like, I would come up behind him, and I'm just, like, like two feet behind him, just, like, (laughs) like, on his shoulders, just running there. But I, I was excited, you know, I was like, oh, I hope I can just push Jake to run a way under the course record. This will be great. Like, I'll just carry him through the whole thing running behind him. And then, you know, after, fifth, uh, I don't know, 50 something miles in, Jake just stopped. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. And so I didn't realize that. The, the splits for the course record involves like a slower second half. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I just like kept running the same pace and felt pretty good, especially after hundred K. And so, yeah, I just kept it up and especially when the sun went down, like it got cooler. So I felt mm-hmm. even better. And so I just finished, kept running the same pace the whole time and kept, kept up with the same nutrition I mean I even kept drinking and eating things like the last 15 miles which I guess apparently that's not that important but um just did that all the way to the finish and so I went pretty far under the course record because I held the pace instead of dropping it at the end
0: yeah, no, that would have been think... interesting if Jake yeah, wasn't it was... there. It'd be interesting to see what would have happened because it was probably a good thing, wouldn't you say? That you, yeah, that you I think it waited. was awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think it, he set like a great. He kind of set my pace for the whole race, so it was awesome to be able to run with him for that first half. And every, I mean, it was just like everything went too well for me. It was too, like I wasn't. I, nervous at all for that race, just because of that experience of CCC beforehand and everything. But I almost kind of overprepared for it because I had never run a hundred mile race before. And so like, yeah, I was doing a 170 mile week in like 40,000 feet of where like multiple weeks of that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so the race itself was Easy compared to the runs I had done leading up to it, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I did do a couple. Like, I did... Like, the weekend before, I did three 25-mile runs. And I matched that vert ratio of, like, 5,000 feet per 25 miles. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say one more thing really quickly. Like For sure. I did plan out what shoes I would wear a little differently than I'd done in the past. So... I had a max cushion shoe. It's called the ASICS Tribuco Max. Um, and I felt like I could run pretty consistently in that shoe over a long distance, but it wasn't like the optimal shoe in terms of protecting my feet from blisters or keeping my hamstrings in one piece and everything. So I hmm. ran a lot in that. Like, Forced myself to do steeper routes than the race course and did a lot of like those, what for me is like the most painful grade is like a really long gradual hill Mm -hmm. where it's not 700 feet of per 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 mile, but like 300. Yeah. And like that last 25. Yeah. That was a lot of that. Yeah. I did a lot of that. I do runs where it was like 2,500 foot climb over, like eight miles and then I go down and I do it again. And so it would be like Hmm. 25 to 30 miles, but only 5,000 feet of vert over that. And I just did a couple of those leading up to the race in the exact pair of shoes I wore for the second half. And I just like barely trained my hamstrings enough to handle it. But yeah, I think that was fairly important, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, smart to get specific yes
0: yeah. yeah, smart to be specific and yeah did i see that you changed shoes i did yeah so halfway or when did halfway. you change okay
1: i just i wore a pair of shoes that i knew like i it would be impossible like i can't blow up my like i can't get a quad cramp in these shoes i can't get a calf cramp like i'm not gonna feel anything in my hamstrings and i just wore those for the first half mm-hmm. and then second half of the race i had a new pair of shoes like exactly the shoe i knew i'd be fastest in like i've tried out the carbon plated shoes the sock the endorphin edge the hoka X, and i don't feel especially fast in those over longer distances mm-hmm. and so i had this shoe which for me i guess was my alpha fly for the hundred mile even though it's you know it just has some sort of special eva but I put Mm -hmm. that on and I had that ready. And so maybe that helped me run the same pace for the second half. But I was kind of sandbagging with a different pair of shoes for the first half of the race too. So I'm glad I did that shoe change. And I wouldn't, I don't know if I would do a shoe change just to get a a dry pair of shoes or a fresh, you know, fresh foam, but Mm -hmm. I would definitely do a completely different midsole geometry and everything. A Mm -hmm. switch like that. I think that, is something that's good for you mentally and probably right. great for the legs because like you engage different muscles some people mm-hmm. can't tell the difference but that's a big thing for me like day to day I do that too like my if my like Achilles are sore or something I'll put on a high drop shoe and go wear that mm-hmm. and if my quads are sore I'll put something a little lighter on or whatever it might be um just based on how I feel my muscles are sore after the run i'll kind of take a note of that and know what i'll use that shoe for yeah oh so, yeah
0: yeah that's smart i think using several pairs of shoes is is the way to go to just yeah keep your feet healthy i i have yet to switch shoes in a hundred i think it's probably a good idea. I just am so scared of the one, this one pair that just works for me, but that's the thing. High cushion shoes just feel slow. So like, what would it be like to go to a lower stack height, like faster shoe halfway through? I've always wondered that, um, Mm -hmm. or start the race that way, but I just have yet to take that, take that risk. Um, well, Zach, I've taken up a lot of your time. I, I really appreciate the conversation congrats on everything you've accomplished already and to say that i'm excited for your future is a huge understatement and uh it was a it was an honor to share i think like two miles in that group with you before you took off and um yeah yeah i think it's um just a matter of time until you get approached by a company so it'll be interesting what comes of that. And, uh, yeah, I think just kind of mentally preparing for, for something, um, like that to happen. Like, like I said, I, I'm sure it's, it's happening at some point. So, um, keep up the good work. And yes, you are, you are inspiring a lot of us. You inspired me a ton during the bear. I was actually considering, uh, hanging up the shoes, you know, I'm 33 now and got two little ones. And I was, you know, I was pretty convinced that would be my last hundred. Um, but I got, beat so bad that I'm like all right <laughs> I think I want to try one or two more years um limited time trying to be as smart as I can with my training I don't think I don't know how much if I can get better with with the time that I have but um yeah it was huge inspiration to see how well you did and um yeah maybe I've got a year or two left in me but uh yeah keep up the good work we'll follow along and again I I really appreciate your time